0: From seven days of the week to the seven wonders of the world, culture is shaped by sevens, and the BMW 7 Series is no exception. Be welcomed in with automatic opening doors, shape your experience behind the wheel with a curved display, or recline in the back seat and escape into the 31-inch theater screen. Reshape the way you drive in the redefining BMW 7 Series. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. See your local BMW center today for a test drive.
1: Put knowledge to work and grow your business with CIT. From transportation to healthcare to manufacturing, CIT offers commercial lending, leasing, and treasury management services for small and middle market businesses. Learn more at cit.com. Put knowledge to work.
0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Odd Lots podcast. I'm Joe Weisenthal, managing editor at Bloomberg Markets.
2: And I'm Tracy Alloway, executive editor at Bloomberg Markets.
0: Tracy, you sound very distant. Why is that? <laughs>
2: Well, it might be because I'm across the ocean from you. I'm uh, over in Abu Dhabi.
0: Amazing. So today's kind of like a special edition of the podcast, not just because it's the first one that you're recording from Abu Dhabi. We also had a guest lined up for today. And at the very last second, within the last few minutes, and we're not going to name them because that Mm -hmm. wouldn't be right, but within the last few minutes, the guest pulled out So, because they were nervous. So, Tracy, what's going on? There's a big scandal and a guest that was going to talk got nervous. What's happening? Yeah.
2: uh, For once, it's a scandal that has, uh, well, that doesn't come directly from the banking industry. Instead, it's something to do with what's known as peer-to-peer lending or also known as marketplace lending. And we'll get into why it's described by two names, Uh, but basically we had huge, huge news out of one of the first ever peer-to-peer lenders earlier this week. The CEO resigned amid a major scandal. The shares went plunging. Uh, The company is now worth, you know, basically a fraction of what it used to be worth, and we are going to dig into why all that happened.
0: Awesome. I can't wait. So our guest who is very familiar with this industry given the heat going on right now. It decided not to talk, but let's step back. So we have this industry. Oh, well, let's. The good news is that, Tracy, you're an expert on this industry, (laughs) and you've been following it essentially since its inception, and frankly, you're probably the best guest for it anyway. So let's take a step back. Years ago, idealists founded this concept called peer-to-peer lending. Rather than going through banks, you could borrow money online, you could go on, lend money to your peers. It was supposed to disintermediate the traditional financial Mm -hmm. system. Tell us about this Origin of peer to peer lending, how it started, and where we are All right, today. So, I guess that's kind of <laughs> ambitious, but do I
2: think mind. we can do it. I, I believe in us. All right. <laughs> it actually started before the financial crisis, and there were a couple companies that came up with this idea of using. The Internet using online platforms to directly match borrowers with lenders. So instead of me going to a bank and asking for, you know, a small loan so I could, I don't know, remodel my kitchen or something like that, I could go online and someone online would agree to fund the loan.
0: So basically you go on, you say, I want to borrow $10,000 to uh, remodel my kitchen. Here are some stats about me, my credit score, how much I make, et cetera. And then I might have $10,000 in cash sitting around and then say, oh, I'll fund that loan. Is that basically how it works?
2: So in the beginning it was very unlikely that a single investor or lender would be funding an entire loan. Instead, what you would Mm. do is you would fund small pieces of loans, right? So you wouldn't put up 10,000, but maybe you would put $500 up on the platform so that you could buy pieces of various loans of various quality. Um, So
0: diversify the credit risk.
2: Exactly. And as a borrower on the platform, You wouldn't necessarily say, here are all the things about me. You know, there'd be some forms that you would fill out. But the interesting thing about using the online platform to borrow money was that a lot of the underwriting process was automated. So you would Mm -hmm. give these peer-to-peer companies permission to access some information about you, um... That was available online, and then they would automatically go and do that and kind of fill out these profiles. And if you were an investor on the platform, one of the selling points was that you would get really good detail about the person you're investing in. Actually, in the early days, you could see all sorts of information where the loan was coming from, um, you know, the salary, uh, the employment status of the person. I remember going back in 2012 and checking, um, which bank employees at you know, JP Morgan and Citigroup had gone to lending club wow. instead of their own banks to take out loans.
0: Uh, and how were the, uh, interest rates set? Was it set by the lender or sent, set by the platform?
2: Well, this was an interesting thing. So the idea here was that it was supposed to be a marketplace for lending, although that name didn't happen until a few years later. However, the interest rates have always been set by the platform. Um, You know, I'm sure they're in negotiation with investors, especially some of the larger investors that they attracted as the years went by. But in the beginning, they set those rates.
0: All right. So let's go ahead, because when you hear peer-to-peer lending, you think of the sort of idealist people helping each other out. It co- sort of makes you think of like Napster or something like this, right. like this real organic thing. Now that term isn't used so much. They talk about marketplace lending, which has a slightly more institutional feel. So tell us about the evolution of these idealist sites to what now is a bit more, um, a little bit more grown up, I guess you could say.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, let me tell you this from my personal perspective. I think that's probably a good way into it. So Sounds good. So, in 2012, I think it was, I'm a reporter at another media outlet. I was covering the big banks, uh, including Morgan Stanley, and an ex-Morgan Stanley CEO, John Mack, joined the board of this up-and-coming peer-to-peer lender called Lending Club. I wrote the story. And after that, I kind of took an interest in the sector because it had these aims of disintermediating the banks. It was after the financial crisis when a lot of the big banks were under regulation that they said made it more difficult for them to lend. Uh, Basically, there were all these factors kind of making a positive case for peer-to-peer lending and certainly making it an interesting story at the time. And so I remember meeting eventually the CEO of Lending Club, Renaud Laplanche, and he came in at the time without any PR people, any minders. He just came into the office. We had coffee. I learned more about this sort of fast-growing fintech company. And at the time, the message was very much one of uh, sort of cuddly togetherness, right? Lending club. We were all going to club together and lend directly to one another, cut out the banks, cut out the middlemen from the transactions. Investors or lenders would get higher returns and borrowers would get lower rates as a result. And the whole thing was called, of course, peer-to-peer lending. Now, as the years went by, the industry expanded really, really rapidly. And one of the ways it did that was by, first of all, making whole loans available to larger investors. So instead of buying pieces of loans, you would just buy entire ones. And then tapping institutional investors to expand. Uh, That meant hedge funds, it meant wealth management companies, mutual funds, pension funds, insurers, all the big guys. So when you're suddenly... Using these big guys to fund a big portion of your loan, you can't, or of your growth, you can't really call it peer to peer lending anymore, right? Unless you think your peer is a hedge
0: fund. And this is really key because, you know, you talked about having met Laplanche in 2012. This post crisis era has been characterized by this multi year search for anything offering higher than normal yield. And so as you mentioned, the um, lenders on this platform were offered a chance to get more for their money. So it only made sense that all these hedge funds and other investors looking for yield started seeing the loans being generated on these platforms and said, hey, how can we start buying them in meaningful size and adding them to our portfolio?
2: That's exactly right. So the major selling point of peer-to-peer loans was that they were higher yielding shorter duration assets that were also uncorrelated with traditional stocks or bonds. So if everything else was tanking, in theory, you could still buy an unsecured consumer loan and get a decent return. Now, the kind of crazy thing with some of the big guys is that even though these peer-to-peer loans had higher yields, they still felt the need to apply leverage to the assets to get an even higher return. Uh, But the other slightly crazy thing, and I think this has always been debated with the model, is that the vast majority of these peer-to-peer platforms, the borrowers on them are using them to refinance existing debt. So you're basically buying unsecured consumer loans from someone who probably already owes quite a bit of money to a credit card company somewhere and is just trying to get a lower rate to refinance that debt. So, So, you know, pretty risky.
0: All right, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Put
1: knowledge to work and grow your business with CIT. From transportation to healthcare to manufacturing, CIT offers commercial lending, leasing, and treasury management services for small and middle market businesses. Learn more at CIT.com. Put knowledge to work.
0: And we're back. I'm here with Tracy Alloway, my co-host, but also an expert in the world of marketplace lending or peer-to-peer loans. We're talking about the sort of big scandal that roiled the industry. And so let's get to this. You mentioned before the break uh, that in 2012, you m- met this guy, Renault Laplanche, who founded this company called Lending Club. He was really in the news in these last few days. You ex- uh, you explained to us how this uh, organization and these companies that started off as these peer-to-peer, we're all gonna lend to each other became these entities that started serving institutions and started packaging loans and large scale. What is the what is the scandal that the industry is now seeing and how does uh, LaPlanche fit into it?
2: All right. Uh, where to begin? Um, all right. Let's start in 2014, December 2014. All right. LaPlanche Lists Lending Club on the New York Stock Exchange. It's this huge IPO. At the time it was described as a coming out moment for the entire industry. They listed a valuation of something like $8.9 billion. And I was there on the stock exchange floor the day that it happened. And I can tell you there were investors there that became instant millionaires. Everyone was thrilled. People were amazed at The valuation, to be honest. Um, The whole thing was massively oversubscribed. A lot of excitement. However, there was also some concern at the time that going public basically meant that Lending Club was now under additional pressure to maintain its growth, right? It had to lend consistently and it had to get. Uh, financing for those loans consistently, which could be difficult as a public company on a quarterly basis. In any case, what the company did was it went out, it struck a bunch of new uh, agreements with big institutional investors that would help maintain its growth. And one of those investors was Jeffries, which is a financial group uh, well-known on Wall Street. So Fast forward to this week, and on Monday, Lending Club announces its first quarter results, its earnings for the period. And alongside those earnings, it shockingly announces the resignation of Renault LaPlanche.
0: And you were really surprised. We were both. Um, we were chatting over the uh, Bloomberg IB mm-hmm. I, um, instant messaging service, and I said, Tracy, you see this LaPlanche news. <laughs> And, I mean, we were not together, but I sort of could feel how stunned you were at this news he was resigning just by my messaging to you when I pointed it out to you.
2: It was completely shocking. So, you know, it's basically the figurehead of an entire industry resigning amidst scandal. Um, It's hard for me to think of an equivalent. It was a complete shocker for the industry. Now, what the announcement actually said, and we're still getting details of this uh, unfolding, but the announcement said basically that Lending Club had knowingly sold some loans to a large institutional investor, Jeffries, although they didn't disclose that particular name at the time.
0: But that's come out in our reporting.
2: That's come out in our reporting. Loans that didn't comply with the sort of express wishes of the investor. Uh, And there was also some noise as well around Renault possibly making, um, failing to disclose a personal investment in a company that Lending Club uh, eventually bought. So all a bit of a mess uh, and incredibly, incredibly disheartening for the entire industry.
0: Right. And the stocks the stock, it should be worth uh, it's worth noting, has done very poorly ever since going public. There's already been anxiety about this space, but the stock instantly plunged on the news. And when I first read the news and I said, oh, these loans that they had sold weren't exactly what the buyer thought they were getting, you know, the first thought that I had was, this just feels like the same old Wall Street <laughs> type scandals from years ago, Almost exactly, a buyer not getting what they thought they were getting. Like it seems like the classic old thing coming back with this new, in this new platform that was supposed to change how everything worked.
2: Well, I think there are a lot of people that would agree with you on that. Um, the issue with Lending Club and with peer-to-peer in general has always been disentangling the technology. Of the business, the fintech aspect from the lending side of the business, the specialty finance aspect of it. Are these companies actually technology companies or are they just sort of direct lenders uh, in disguise or specialty finance companies in disguise?
0: Let's pick apart this question because I think this is crucial. We actually just had comments from Jamie Dimon. He was asked about the marketplace lenders and he said, yeah, the platforms are great. The technology is great. It's great that people can get approved for loans in 15 minutes as opposed Mm. to 15 days. But on the other hand, funding for these companies is unstable. And so he basically threw a lot of cold water on the business model. So let's pick this apart. Prior to this scandal. How are people thinking about the sustainability of the marketplace lender business model?
2: So there was always a question mark over marketplace lenders' ability to withstand a downturn in the credit cycle. So, you know, when money is no longer as easy, are they still going to have all these investors and lenders pouring into the platform who are able to finance their loan growth? Setting aside completely the major, major question of whether or not defaults on the loans that actually go through their platforms uh, would rise, which kind of seems obvious. You know, in a recessionary scenario, yes, those defaults right. would rise. But the big issue was actually would they be able to continue to fund themselves. And in fact, in the first quarter of this year, we kind of got a worrying clue about that because we saw a lot of investors concerned about the overall credit market stepping away from higher yielding corporate debt. And with that, a lot of people started to become nervous about peer-to-peer assets as well. And we did see a downturn in institutional funding for these platforms.
0: And so... Why is this different than any other funding? I mean, this question of can they survive a credit market downturn? But, I mean, credit market downturns hit everyone. So is there something specific to this business model that makes them particularly – that raises particular questions about the viability of the whole thing?
2: Oh, sure. I, I mean, I think the answer is there There are trillions of reasons, trillions of dollars worth of reasons, right? So JP Morgan, for instance, has a massive, massive retail deposit base that's mm. there. It's known as sticky funding because people tend not to pull it out uh, that quickly. Lending Club and other peer-to-peer platforms, by contrast, do not have a deposit base. This is why they are not banks, right? Uh, They don't have a deposit base, and that enables them to avoid a bunch of the regulatory burden that a lot of actual traditional banks uh, have to deal with and thus have lower costs. But it also exposes them to basically a funding risk, right? These institutional investors can pull their money out fairly quickly.
0: Right, so you get. I want to. You mentioned the regulatory aspect. One argument that people say about these new breed of companies is that, yeah, the technology is okay, but the real edge is in the regulatory arbitrage and that they can do these things that traditional banks can't because they're much more heavily regulated and that you know now with added scrutiny on these companies in light of the latest scandal that also questions the uh you know throws into question whether the business model makes sense how uh, how much how important has it been for these companies that they're not regulated the same way as a JP Morgan or a Citi or Bank of America is
2: i think absolutely massive uh again <sighs> The interesting thing here is really to disentangle the technology offering of a lot of these companies, because for some of them, it's been very unclear. So, for instance, Lending Club says it uses a proprietary model to sort of gauge customers' risk, Mm. which we were talking about earlier today, right? However, it's never been 100% clear what the edge is of that new technology, that new sort of automated underwriting process is over traditional things like FICO scores, you know, traditional credit scores. And in fact, we've heard grumbling in the past from people saying that actually, you know, 99% of peer-to-peer lenders' proprietary risk models are just FICO scores. They're not actually improving that much upon the existing way that credit is extended, which basically leaves them with, you know, a pretty nice online platform, a good customer experience for borrowers, and the added benefit of not being a bank and not having historical creaky IT systems and things like that.
0: Right. On this, um, you know, you mentioned that measure of credit risk until we have an economic downturn. We really don't know if, say, those, uh, you know, their credit measures hold up or if they'll see a big wave of defaults. We just sort of. Right. I mean, until that happens, we don't know much. Right.
2: That's right. Although, again, you know, you're dealing with unsecured consumer lending. A lot of the information is self-reported on the platforms, although companies like Lending Club will do their best to try to verify it. Uh, So, you know... I don't think anyone would be surprised if we saw an uptick in defaults once we had a recession. The question is uh, the degree to which that happens, and again, the degree to which that scares off investors, both the little guys, the you know mom and pop retail investors, and more importantly, the institutional guys.
0: All right, let's throw this. Uh, let's wrap this up and throw this forward a little bit. So these stocks, uh, Lending Club is one. There's another one on deck. Uh, mm-hmm. They've been absolutely creamed lately. Everyone is trying to figure out the answer to the question that you just alluded to, which is, is this a sustainable business or did they just build fancy websites that would look good as a bolt-on to a traditional bank what's your what's your guess where's this oh. industry in a few years do all these companies just get snapped up by the major banks do they th- thrive on their own if they if the sort of business model and the lending model works where do you see things going next
2: so this is the million dollar question and I have to be uh, really careful what I say here I think it's fair to say and to point out that for the past few years the environment for marketplace, peer-to-peer lenders, whatever you want to call them, has been nothing short of fantastic. Remember, you had all these people upset about the banks after the financial crisis. You had the low interest rates that drove a lot of investors onto the platform seeking higher yields, and that also made it easier for people to borrow money from the platforms, cheaper for them to do that. Um, and you had a sort of lack of regulatory scrutiny, for want of a better word. And despite all those tailwinds, basically, uh, we've seen the sector run into some significant problems over the past couple of months, including those credit concerns and now this scandal. So it's a really, really good question whether or not the industry can survive. I do think there's a value prospect. You know, these companies do have better technology on some things. They have more efficient loan application processes. God Mm -hmm. knows that millennials um, like you and I, if we're applying for a mortgage, I'm not entirely sure we're going to be walking into the local Citibank to do it. You know, the idea that we can just go online and do the paperwork that way and get a sort of instantaneous response is definitely an attractive thing.
0: How hard is it, you know, if you had to guess, obviously, the CEOs of major banks, they're all under pressure. They all feel like they have to catch up in terms of and invest in fintech. Looking around, do they, you think they'll make the calculation that they can rebuild that good of a user experience and essentially offer the exact same thing? Or do these companies, you think, have good enough technology that it would be worth just sort of buying? Or will it be a mix?
2: I imagine it will be a mix. And we've already seen some of the banks partner up with peer-to-peer lenders, which is kind of weird when you think about it. Uh, But that could continue going forward. But again, are the banks going to be happy dealing with an industry that now seems to be enveloped in uh, its own form of scandal? Who knows? Right.
0: All right, Tracy, it is so great to talk to you. And um, I'm even though our original guest dropped out, I think you're probably better. And I learned a lot from this conversation.
2: Well, I think this gives you an idea about uh, the degree of nervousness in the industry yeah. right now, right? We can't even get a guest on to talk about it.
0: Oh, well. Exactly. All right, this has been another edition of the Odd Lots podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Joe Weisenthal. You can follow me on Twitter at The Stalwart.
2: And I'm Tracy Alloway. I'm on Twitter at Tracy Alloway. Thanks for listening.
1: Put knowledge to work and grow your business with CIT. From transportation to healthcare to manufacturing, CIT offers commercial lending, leasing, and treasury management services for small and middle market businesses. Learn more at CIT.com. Put knowledge to work.
0: The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid to large size companies like yours to help manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Top Two is like no other course. Two 420 foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy.